This episode is sponsored by Quantstamp, Nexo.io, and KuCoin. Money is changing. So where do we go from here? Through high-profile interviews and thought-provoking analysis, join Coindesk's Michael Casey and Sheila Warren of the World Economic Forum as they explore the connections between finance, human culture, and our increasingly digital lives. This episode is brought to you by the Coindesk Podcast Network. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. And now, here's Michael Casey. Hello and welcome to Money Reimagined. I'm Michael Casey. Miami is fast positioning itself as crypto city. Crypto companies are flocking to Florida's biggest city to set up operations there and take advantage of a friendly regulatory environment. One such company has launched a Miami coin, which looks to be feeding millions of dollars into the municipal government's coffers. Now, maybe there's a challenger to Miami's mantle, a little town called New York City. The incoming new mayor, Eric Adams, has said he wants to have his first three paychecks paid in Bitcoin and has vowed that NYC is going to be the center of the cryptocurrency industry. And City Coins, which issues Miami coin, has now set up shop in New York with NYC coin. To discuss this compelling rivalry and why the crypto industry is appealing to a new breed of city leaders who see opportunities for urban renewal, we are honored to be joined by two guests representing these two important American cities. First, a man who has become the face of Miami's spectacular crypto-fueled tech revival, Mayor Francis Suarez, and he's joined by Matt Homer, who is the former Executive Deputy Superintendent for Research and Innovation at the New York Department of Financial Services. Before we meet them, though, let's welcome my co-host, Sheila Warren. Hi, Sheila. Hey, Michael. I mean, two of my favorite cities. I am jealous that you've been there. You live in one and you were in the other one most recently. And I'll just put a plug in for San Francisco and hope that London Breed's listening to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> there was that FOMO moment recently when I had the palm fronds behind me and I was interviewing from Miami and you unfortunately Weather, had to be doing this all of it. <laughs> Right. So Money Reimagined suddenly went live. Anyway, listen, this is great to have these people. Let's bring in our guests here. Mayor Suarez, Matt, welcome to the show. Listen, Mayor Suarez, I was in Miami recently, as I just mentioned, and at the Ferrari Yacht Party, you came out and said that you were going to suggest changing Miami's name to Crypto City. Uh, whether this was a joke or not, it does certainly reflect how all in uh, you are in this technology. Can you give us a quick reason why? What is the payoff for Miami's residents? And aren't there risks in tying the city's fortunes to this volatile industry? Well, uh, Michael and Sheila, thank you so much for having me. And it's, it's almost an unfair competition. I mean, if you look at uh, Matt's background and you look at my background, you know, that sort of says it all. I think the reason why we are going all in on crypto is because we want to be at the vanguard of innovation. We want to be at the forefront of not yesterday's companies, but tomorrow's companies. And we understand that for our children to be successful, for our generation to thrive, that uh, all cities, not just Miami, and that this is why I think what New York is doing is intelligent in following our lead, need to understand that to be successful, they have to position themselves as a next generation city before the disruption comes and disrupts them out of existence or creates a disruption that they can't handle. I think you're seeing, unfortunately, in a lot of American cities, they're talking a good game. It's really hard to back it up because they have some systemic problems that they're having a really hard time dealing with. And so in Miami, 
We have the lowest homeless rate since uh, 2013 for 10 years, second lowest tax rate since the 1960s, which has doubled the size of our budget. We're number one in the nation for tech job uh, growth. We're number one in the nation for tech job migration. And we have brought a trillion, $200 billion of assets under management companies to Miami in the last 16 months. And according to PitchBook, uh, which just came out a couple of weeks ago, we increased our VC pipeline by 50% year over year and 200% from the pre-pandemic year. So Miami is just taking off because it's rebranded itself as the capital of capital, the epicenter of opportunity. Okay. So Matt, I know you're not currently with this new administration, but you're a New Yorker through and through. Mayor Suarez talks a good game. Can there be two crypto cities and how will New York compete with Miami? Look, I I think that if you think that crypto and DeFi and Web3 is going to be as big as the financial services ecosystem today, then there is room for many, many, many cities to do this. And I think that what's so exciting about this moment in time is that coming out of a deep crisis with COVID, we're seeing reinvention, right? You have seen cities lead reinvention throughout the history of time. I'm excited about what's happening in New York, in in Miami. I'm I'm probably a little bit more excited to see what will happen here in New York since I live here. And uh, I think it's going to be, you know, an exciting time for cities in general. So Mayor Suarez, you know, when we say you're all in, we mean you're really all in. You're taking part of your paycheck in Bitcoin. You're taking some of your 401k retirement in Bitcoin. Uh, I assume that that is not easiest thing to do. So clearly it's a point you're making. And in addition to that, the press is, is reporting that about the CityCoin, the CityCoin initiative. Is this something that's also you're doing? Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So let me just say that I have already taken two paychecks in Bitcoin. I uh, was lucky because I got in at the dip, the 47,000 mark approximately. So my paycheck has already gone up in value by a significant amount if you consider the time that it's been in Bitcoin. It's, it's not that complicated and our employees are getting it. In terms of Miami Coin project, Miami Coin is a byproduct of a city coin community that is essentially, in part, the Princeton engineers that developed the Stacks protocol. So the Stacks protocol, as you know, hashes onto the Bitcoin blockchain. It's what allows the Bitcoin blockchain to have smart contract functionality. And so the Miami Coin is a byproduct of Stacks, which is a byproduct of Bitcoin. And so what's interesting about it is uh, that a percentage of the yield, right, a percentage of the mining revenue which in the case of Bitcoin, 100% goes to the Bitcoin miners. In the case of a city coin, Miami coin or New York coin, 30% of the reward goes into a digital wallet for the city. And so in our case, what we've decided to do with that digital wallet resource, which we already had a grant agreement to accept the funds in whatever form they come. But what we've done in collaboration with city coin and the Miami coin operators is to stake the revenue of Miami coin And then we're working with a variety of different exchanges to create digital wallets for all of our residents so that they can all get a yield from the Miami coin revenue in Bitcoin. So we will be giving our residents, all of our residents, uh, quarterly Bitcoin dividend. So this is fascinating. And Matt, I kind of want to get a frame from you on this. Will these kinds of grassroots crypto initiatives, and there are others beyond city coins, but are they going to really revolutionize the ways that cities obtain revenue? What do you think? Yeah, I I think it's too soon to know for sure, but I think that this is what cities should be doing. Cities should be experimenting. What's exciting about CityCoin, I mean, there's really no cost, right, for cities to to try this. And so I think it's it's an exciting experiment. But I think cities need to think about kind of the broader levers of power they have beyond just revenue collection. I think for cities, crypto provides a huge opportunity related to economic development, administering city and state programs. I think the mayor 
accepting his uh, paycheck in crypto is exciting. I think there's a, a lot of interesting opportunities in the payroll space, not just to receive crypto like Bitcoin as a payment, but to think about streaming payments, like payments that you know that move beyond kind of getting paid every two weeks so to help city workers get paid more frequently. I think that CityCoins is an exciting experiment and we'll see what happens. QuantStamp is looking for talented people to join our team and help us secure the blockchain industry. Our clients include major blockchain projects like Ethereum 2.0, DeFi projects like Maker, Compound, and Aave, and global enterprises like Toyota. As a fully remote team, working for QuantStamp means a great work-life balance, an environment that values creativity and effectiveness, and compensation packages on par with big tech. Come work for the leading blockchain security company. Learn more at quantstamp.com careers. Nexo is a trusted, easy-to-use crypto platform where you can buy cryptocurrencies at the touch of a button and start earning up to 12% annual interest that is paid out daily. Nexo supports all major assets on the market and even allows you to swap one asset for another or borrow cash against your holdings without selling them. Nearly 3 million people in over 200 countries trust Nexo with their digital assets. So whether you're just getting started or you're a seasoned pro, get the most of your crypto today with Nexo at nexo.io. It's altcoin season, and if you aren't looking for crypto gems on KuCoin, you're doing it wrong. Known as the People's Exchange, KuCoin is the home of altcoins, with over 400 tradable coins. Sign up today to find the next crypto gem in DeFi, GameFi, NFT, and Metaverse. Join KuCoin with 8 million global investors and claim your $500 welcome bonus at KuCoin.com. That's K-U-C-O-I-N dot com. You know, Mayor Suarez was looking at a Miami Herald article that I think was a fairly good balanced take on what the uh, Miami coin means for you guys and certainly point to some of the advantages of having this independent source of revenue and I think also some of the innovative drive that can be built upon it. But it was also highlighting some of the risks, you know, that there are legal concerns here. What are the contractual obligations? How, in fact, do you go about claiming those funds and managing those wallets and who's in charge? Can you talk through what you're doing at this stage in terms of the logistics for keeping the funds safe and making sure that they're managed in the interests of your residents? Well, uh, as Matt said, and I think he said it very correctly, it's not funds that we have uh, taken a risk in terms of generation. I mean, I think there's some misperceptions. The city of Miami has not invested a penny into Miami coins. We don't hold Miami coin. We're not a product of the fluctuations of value of Miami coin. Um, we're simply a beneficiary of the mining byproduct of Miami coin. And so that money sits in a digital wallet that is not in our control. We have what's called a grant agreement. So when they grant us money, if they give us money, they can only give us fiat money. So essentially it's anyone who can grant you money who, or who grants you money uh, for whatever reason that can grant you money in fiat. We've collaborated with them in, in the sense that we've had discussions with the wallet holders about staking the, the revenue and then providing that Bitcoin yield to our residents. And so that's a process. A, it begins with identifying who is a resident, believe it or not, you know, you have to actually create that universe. And that universe we've decided is a registered voter because it's, it's impossible otherwise 
to determine who that is. By the way, that there's also a civic benefit to that is that people actually will potentially go out and register, right? That are a city of Miami residents. So there's a verification process that goes with that. Then the person has to opt in. They have to, you know, whatever company we use, and we're talking to the biggest exchanges on the planet, whatever company we use, they're going to have to download a digital wallet from one or more of those exchanges, uh, depending on what exchange they want to use. And then the money will be deposited in, in, in that account. I think what's important for people to know just generally in terms of the risk, because I, I feel obligated to say this as a public official, cryptocurrencies don't always go up in value, okay? There's almost this misperception that if you invest in a cryptocurrency, you are always going to make money. That's not the case. And so I would urge people to study what are the fundamentals of whatever investment it is. Understand that if you're investing money, you are risking your money, meaning you could lose your money, right? And that is a byproduct of risk. And understand what I call the use cases, right? All of these supposed currencies or cryptocurrencies or whatever, they all have a use case. What are the fundamentals behind it? What's the mathematics that drives it? What are the use cases? This year, 2021, I called it the year of legitimacy or the year of mainstreaming. I think 2022 will be the year of utility. And so we'll start to see how some of these coins will live and die based on whether they're utilized and what kind of utilization they have. So first of all, it's really interesting. So it sounds like there is financial opportunity. And as you correctly point out, there's also risk of financial loss uh, to residents and that you're determining residents by your registered voters. Is there opportunity for those outside of the city to invest in Miami coin? And then secondly, is there any plan for governance? Like, will these registered voters, these residents who've invested in Miami coin, will they have a chance to vote in some fashion on what's done with the funds? Well, for answer to the first question is absolutely. I mean, people can use buy Miami coin anywhere. It's listed and it can be bought by anyone. It remains to be seen whether it will metamorphosize into some sort of a method of payment and whether that method of payment will go beyond Miami's borders. It may, it may not. And then I think the second part is whether there be some sort of a governance structure. Well, I think somewhat the governance structure is whether you use it or not, right? In other words, by using Miami coin, by mining Miami coin, you are in effect either sanctioning or hurting the governance of the city, right? You're saying by opting in and, and deciding to mine this currency and creating that value that goes into the digital wallet, you're in effect sanctioning what kind of policy decisions the government's made. But the, the further point is I am completely up. And I think that there may be use cases where uh, people who are the digital wallet uh, miners uh, may have an opportunity to express themselves in a policy way. And I think that would be wonderful. I mean, I think that's an interesting incentive for government to be able to tap into some financing source. Now, Matt, you were formed with the New York Department of Financial Services, which famously introduced the bit license a number of years ago, sort of seen as something of a template for some of the, what someone in the crypto community would argue was a heavy-handed approach to KYC, and that's since been moderated. But nonetheless, coming from that perspective and being part of the NYDFS, what do you see as the risks and the obligations for regulators such as the NYDFS in these new initiatives for you know, how these systems are protected against money laundering, for example, and so forth? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that as a baseline matter, I mean, they would have to comply with existing laws and regulations. And so I think, you know, certainly all of us have an obligation to protect against money laundering and illicit financing. So that would be a concern. I think sort of beyond, you know, all of the things you would normally expect for crypto or financial services or currency generally, I think for any new payment instrument like this, education for individuals is incredibly important. And I think that transparency is significant and can matter a lot. Hopefully we'll, we'll see more of that. But I do, I do think anytime you put a government stamp on something, right, people rightfully or wrongfully will, will think that it's been endorsed. And so I think that 
particularly where government is involved, there is a very serious obligation to help the public understand the trade-offs. So, Mesrez, I know you've got to go in a moment, but just quickly, what can we expect next in terms of, you know, initiatives coming out of Miami with regards to the crypto space? You know, the problem with being so forward uh, leaning is that they're always expecting a next. What's the next move? You know, so you have to sort of find ways to keep up. You know, the last interview I did, I talked about taking a percentage of my 401k in Bitcoin as well. And so that's sort of what I'm going to be working on next. I actually was able to execute using the app Strike on the on my payment system and get, you know, two of my paychecks in Bitcoin. So I think the, the next thing project I'll be working on is the 401k project. Uh, and then and then we'll go from there. I mean, I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of opportunities. Like I said, I think this year will be defined by uh, use cases. That's what I hope it is, because I think, you know, there are a tremendous amount of opportunities to see the blockchain being used and to see Bitcoin being used to a greater degree, et cetera, et cetera. And so that, that's going to make it a, an interesting year, I think, for Bitcoin and for crypto. All right. Well, we're going to let you go. You've got, you know, mayoral duties to attend to, unfortunately. So you can uh, jump off. Thank you so much. And as I, as I pitched to you before you join, you will be coming to consensus in June. I can hold you to this. I never calendar on the spot like that, but I will tell you, I'll make every effort, even though it's not in Miami, which it should be. But, <laughs> but the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pitch Matt and say, Matt, we'd love to have you in Miami. I'd love to meet you in person. I'd love to have you down here. Absolutely. You're going to be there. Thank you, guys. And thank you very much, Ms. Suarez. Matt, if you, you can stick around, I want to continue this conversation if we can. Yeah, but, sure, uh, I'd love to. Ms. Suarez. We will see you in Austin, if not earlier, in Miami or in New York, one of these three wonderful cities, or maybe San Francisco. We'll see. Thanks for being with us. So, Matt, hopefully you can stick around a little longer here. Let's keep this going. I've been very interested from you know, the early days of uh, my interest in crypto and blockchain in some of the outside-the-box ideas for how blockchains can help cities manage things like data, right? So there's projects like Mobi, which is you know, a group of of car companies essentially trying to figure out how to use blockchain as a way to manage congestion in cities and the, and the, and the like. I'm wondering whether, you know, you could see, speak to any of these other ideas. What do you see, whether it's in the management of finances, as we were just talking about, or other areas where the management of cities and how we collectively gather as a community in them and look after our collective interests can be served by crypto and blockchain technologies? I mean, cities are, are where things are implemented, right? Cities are where things happen, where government programs are, are executed, even if the funding comes from the state or the federal level, right? It's executed at the city level. And so the city is really the place where you can experiment and, and test and try new things. And I think what's important for cities is just to get started and get trying. Like in, in some ways, I think it doesn't even matter what you start with. What matters is just that you actually get started build that muscle memory. I think my experience working in, in government is that, you know, government needs to fundamentally change how it solves problems. And it needs to do so in a way that is much more participatory and much more iterative, right? And so the standard approach within government is that you define a problem and you put out an RFP and then you review responses. And then that solution sits there for 40 years or something. And I think what's exciting about blockchain is the potential to engage the community very engaged community in that process, not only the process of solving problems, but identifying problems, and then to be able to kind of iterate as you go along. So I think there are so many different ways. I mean, congestion pricing is interesting. It'd be interesting to, one idea I've been playing around with in my head is the idea of a DAO for economic development, almost like a next generation version mm. of participatory government. Build a DAO type infrastructure for people in a community crowdsource in funding from the, the crypto community, potentially, but also put some government money 
into it and let the community decide how, how to allocate those funds. I mean, that's just one example. I think the unemployment insurance system that exists in states is administered by states. Most states, it was shown to be pretty ineffective, actually. I mean, eventually the money got out, but it was very slow. And I think the systems were broken. And you could imagine blockchain and crypto-related technology really helping build a new set of infrastructure for cities and states and others to administer programs. Part of, I think, what you're talking about is the opportunity for more participation. So more citizens or residents or others to get involved in these kinds of systems. And so how do you prevent the reality that people that maybe have more time to educate themselves or more money on hand to you know, buy into these kinds of things? You're not going to create this kind of stratified society, particularly when it comes to the idea that those who might hold something like a city coin, for example, might actually get uh, governance within that system. How do you avoid some kind of inequity being baked into those systems? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very real concern, right? We don't want to use ne- t- technology to then further entrench, right, some of the same biases that exist. I think that's where you have to work through local officials, right? I mean, you have to work through your local elected city council members, assembly members, that in community neighborhood representatives, you have to integrate with and, and leverage that infrastructure. And I think you'll find a lot of excitement if you do that. You know, one thing I, I found interesting in being at some recent crypto events here in New York City is that the last one I was at, I would say that probably 10% of the attendees there were over the age of 80, which really surprised me. And so I think that the interest in this is spreading to sort of unexpected, maybe unexpected to me, but to a much broader set of the population than we might initially think. And I think that's also borne out by by the data, and including the recent survey by Pew that looked at the ownership rates of crypto. And, and one of the things that, again, is very exciting to me about that is that the people who are purchasing crypto are not, it, it does not reflect the, the pattern from traditional finance. It is much more diverse. And, and to me, that's exciting. Speaking of that diversity, Matt, you know, New York is one of, if not the most diverse city in the world. And many of its residents are people who are, are foreigners, and, and many of them are actually undocumented. New York City's actually tried some interesting measures to try to incorporate them into the systems. There was a city ID idea and various other mechanisms of giving people access to bank accounts and so forth. But it's always run up against challenges with regards to federal laws and and everything else. In some respects, crypto is a way around that. But again, with things like the bit license and all these other rules that sort of tend to draw upon more traditional forms of identification, you're kind of jamming those old systems back into that model. Can you talk to a little bit about that? How do you make this truly inclusive for people who are not necessarily included in the traditional mechanisms of regulation and bureaucracy? You could think of that. I mean, their NYC ID is an interesting program that is available to everyone. And you could imagine that going into you know, a, a digital way and being almost like a Web3 you know, version of ID NYC, which would be pretty exciting. I think there are some myths also associated with identity. You don't have to be a U.S. citizen to open a bank account, but, but some banks are sort of less accommodating of alternative forms of ID for risk management purposes. But I think the most critical thing to making it diverse is to have those people participating in the process, to have everyone participating in the process, right? I think that is, that is a problem, right? And if you don't have kind of a wide representation of people at the table where these ideas are being developed, they will not be inclusive. And that requires really going out of your way. And I think that will be a challenge for crypto. I think crypto is so far has been people who have opted in, right? It's a very energized community, and, but it's people who want to be there. And I think that for crypto to really kind of address, you know, some of these other challenges we face and to make a system that's more equitable and fair than the one we have today, more proactive effort will have to be made to draw in broader sets of populations. 
So, you know, we're using the term crypto as if crypto is monolithic, but of course there are significant differences yeah. between, you know, Miami coin, NYC coin, right? Bitcoin and all these kinds of things. And what do you think the obligation is on municipal governments, local leadership to kind of draw those distinctions? Or do you think it's more of a buyer beware sort of situation? Well, I mean, anytime you're administering a, a government program, I think you do have an obligation to explain that. I mean, I think a big part of this is optionality, right? So I think one thing that would not be good, in my opinion, within the United States is to require a certain currency uh, to be accepted as a form of payment, right? And so I think that the approach needs to focus on, on giving people options and explaining those options to people. I mean, for example, like, you know, you could imagine crypto being embedded into government payments, right? And if you're receiving a payment or a refund or something like that from the government, having from a, a city government or otherwise, and, and having the option to receive that in Bitcoin or in another currency, right? And I think that in those instances, as a government, you, you absolutely have an obligation to explain that and the trade-offs associated with that. You know, and of course, all of these different opportunities have not just different financial, potentially risks or volatility, they have different underlying systems of governance. Uh, the way that their mind are created has, you know, different kinds of impact on sustainability, the environment, you know, et cetera. And so uh, do you foresee a future in which cities are kind of picking you know, horses and kind of saying like, this is the one that we're going to uh, enable through our systems and maybe not this other one? Do you think that's something that we, we should expect to see? Uh, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, as a practical matter, I, I guess that cities will only be able to accommodate a certain number of currencies. Right? I mean, a city, I mean, it'd probably be difficult for a city to accommodate like every, every single currency that could ever be invented. I, I think there's two different questions, right? There's one that is, like, will the city have its own sort of currency like NYC coin? And I don't know. And I would think that it would not be wise to pick winners or losers at this stage, for sure. But the second part of that would be, you know, the, the city using alternative payment instruments as a form of, you know, accepting payments or, or issuing payments. It would make sense to have a broad set of, of options. But yeah, I mean, as a practical matter, I think that you, you're never going to see like thousands of coins, right? Being able to pay for city services in, in, in like thousands of coins. I, I would imagine that you'll see, right, a, a, a small set that would eventually emerge as sort of the accepted. I think the crypto community would be sort of welcoming of those remarks, like not not the idea that the, that the government should be picking and choosing winners and, and that sort of letting it go. But to your point about practicality, at some point, we do need to see something standardized. So listen, Matt, this has been really interesting. Thank you so much for participating and for sticking around for this latter part of the conversation and for joining the mayor, Francis Suarez from Miami earlier. Let's get Eric Adams on here. Maybe you can join him. and. <laughs> discuss where New York is going with this. It'd be fun to see what this uh, what this really exciting new period in crypto and, and city management is going. So again, thank you so much for your time. And Sheila, as always, thank you for joining me on this journey. Thank you to all of you listeners, viewers, Money Reimagined. Come back next week for another edition. Bye for now. You've been listening to Coindesk's Money Reimagined. This episode featured Sheila Warren, Michael J. Casey, and guests Miami Mayor Francis Suarez and New York City's former Deputy Superintendent Matt Homer. Our theme song is Shepherd, and this episode was produced and edited by Michelle Mousseau with announcements by Adam B. Levine and additional production support from Eleanor Paul. Have any questions or comments? Send us an email at podcasts at coindesk.com or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And from all of us at Coindesk and the Money Reimagined team, thanks for listening.